Welcome back to another exciting week in the Web3 universe. I'm your host, The Mayor, and you're listening to the best NFT media-nominated NFT and Chill podcast, the show that discusses interesting topics with artists, creators, and thought leaders from the Web3 space. On this week's episode, we have Chris Klein from Bitcoin IRA. We're going to be talking about cryptocurrency investing, especially long-term investing and for retirement. And we're going to be discussing the market today and exactly what makes the market go up and down. We also have a huge giveaway for the listeners of NFT and Chill. So sit back and chill while we explore the exciting world of Web3 and NFTs together. Who I have with me today is Chris Klein from Bitcoin IRA. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing great. Uh, thanks so much for having me today, Ty. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely excited to get into this. You want to give the listeners an introduction? Yeah, so Bitcoin IRA uh, started in 2015. We had our first account in 2016. Basically, we are a fintech platform that makes a turnkey solution for clients to open up retirement accounts, fund them, and then purchase up to about 65 different digital currencies. I am one of the co-founders and currently the chief revenue officer. Yeah, this is a very interesting topic. People right now see cryptocurrency as, hey, I'm going to put a bunch of money into it and it's going to moon. At least that's how it was before the uh, crypto crash. Nobody really talks about how it can be used as retirement, an IRA or a long-term investment. Could you, I guess, speak on a little bit of that thesis? I think that there is a dichotomy. There are other people that are the get rich quick and the, I'm just going to moon this. They usually come in right as things start taking off and buy at highs instead of right now when we're at a great discount to accumulate Bitcoin and other currencies. We have folks that are thinking three to five, sometimes five to 10 years. And what better place, if you really believe in digital currency and what its potential is, what better place to have your crypto than in a tax sheltered environment? So if you're in a traditional IRA, you can buy and sell all day long inside that set and you won't face capital gains taxes, which is a big buzzword this year based upon people's performance in 2021, right? And beyond that, uh, with if you do it as a Roth, which a lot of us youngsters, I know you and I are both 85 babies, so we're not quite, we're more like uh, veterans of the space. Those folks that are putting it into Roths can actually grow all that time. So say they bought Bitcoin at 5,000 and it goes to 50,000, 100,000, 500,000. All of that growth is tax-free upon that distribution. Education kind of has to come first uh, if you're in the crypto industry and financial services. You mentioned the capital gains. I know there was a lot of people in the past year that had to deal with, at least here in the United States, we had a lot of issues with tax and there was a lot of gray area. And even yeah. if you spoke to accountants, they didn't know what was going on. Right now is definitely the best time to get in to a lot of the blue chip coins like Ethereum or Bitcoin and start to accumulate if you believe in cryptocurrency and DeFi as a whole. Not as financial advice. Could you just offer, you know, what to look for in like today's market in terms of portfolio? You know, how much should you have in altcoins and how much should you have in blue chip? 
So let's take a look at just the market right now. This has been a, a macroeconomic headwind of a year, right? 2022 for all markets started with the war in Ukraine. Inflation was already kind of happening in last summer. We were talking about it. I remember I was on CNBC and they laughed about it. And I said, I'm telling you guys, it's not going anywhere. Uh, and sure enough, it's still here. But the impacts of it and how rate hikes are being moved around and the impact that has on the data, we're really in a transition zone for all markets, trying to figure out what's next. Is it a recession? Is it worse? Uh, is there a, a soft landing to this? Uh, in essence, since you and I got out of college, I graduated 07, we've been manufacturing money, right? We've been creating money and putting it into the system. Really, they turned on the jets in 08 and 07 when the housing crisis occurred, and they really haven't turned them off. And they went to a whole nother level with COVID over the last few years and, and where trillions of dollars have been kind of injected into this. This drives inflation uh, because more money is in the system, products go up, assets go up, just like risk assets, stocks, as well as you've even seen gold and crypto. So in general, it's a, it's a transitionary time period. I think a big one we'll look back on when we're a little bit older. And then on top of that, we had some self-inflicted wounds as crypto this year. We had the Terra Luna catastrophe and what's come down with that. And then three arrow capital just bleeding into places like Voyager Celsius, where folks were offering such crazy yields. And in order to make fulfill on those, they had to make more risky decisions. And that's where there was a lack of any regulation on what they could do as far as that balance. People were just, they got stuck illiquid. They put things in places they couldn't get them out and prices sh shifted, withdrawals increased, perfect storm. Uh, so we faced both of those this year as a, as a crypto community overall, that and the headwind. Uh, where we're headed next is a big question, but I think that if you're looking at allocating, uh, most of our clients will come in in a dollar cost average sense. You have to get your funds in position, right? Because you never really know what the market's going to do on a Saturday or Sunday or random Tuesday afternoon. But you want to get your funds in position uh, and then dollar cost average is probably the best practice I've seen with all of these. Now, I can't make recommendations on balances and what, what to use, but I can tell you what our book looks like. We've got a, uh, several billion now. Bitcoin and Ethereum are, crit are, are big pieces, probably about combined 65, 70%. And the other 30 to 25 is in a mix of those other 65 coins. Cardano is a strong leader in that space. We also have gold as digital gold. It is a physical thing. It's held at a depository with a blockchain over the top of it. And you can buy and sell it at the speed of Bitcoin, which is nice to have. Some folks don't want to pivot to the dollar when they're on the sidelines. They'll go to something like gold. And so that's kind of the make of everything. I hope that helps answer those questions. Yeah, absolutely. There was a lot of great information to unpack. I had once heard, I think it was Kevin O'Leary that said, when you're looking at the blue chips like Bitcoin and Ethereum, you should be around, like you said, 70 to 80 percent blue chip. And then if you want to take some risk with 20 to 30 percent, you know, you, you mentioned all the injection decentralized governments are doing to our economy and our currency. And I think that's what Web3 is kind of all about is moving away from that, moving away from just printing money and not worrying about tomorrow. You know, that's why we're here. That's why we believe in DeFi and the space as a whole. What is your opinion on coins like Chainlink and Claros? Do you have any dealings with those? Both of these coins are trying to connect chains, right? That's the essence of them. And we've seen some weaknesses in that, uh, not specifically with the coins you mentioned, but with others that are trying to do cross-chain connections, in essence, as simple as I could put it. That's because it's cutting edge technology. You've got two different systems from two different blockchains communicating to each other through this bridge. And that's where you can find infirmities, right? The infirmities when crypto was younger was at the exchange level. People were either compromised or the, or the exchange was compromised. People lost assets. What's happening here is 
people are diving really deep into the technology and finding that infirmity, finding that weakness and exploiting it, right? That's what we see happening in these spaces. There's a lot of growth to happen there. It makes sense at its core. The fundamental makes sense. Do not everything can be on the Ethereum network, right? We tried that and it causes congestion. That's why we went to proof of stake. Hopefully we'll try to find some ways where we can scale that. There's these competitors to that space because there's so much potential in these networks that people are interested in and what can be built on top of them and what they specialize in building on top of. Those are two good examples of how we're going to interconnect this whole Web3 universe. Yeah, fantastic. I believe Ethereum scaling their blockchain, hopefully within the year, the process is called sharding within their timetables. We can only hope for the best. And I believe the word for the connecting of chains and platforms is interoperability. I have a really hard time saying that word. It's a tough one. It's got a couple (laughs) syllables that don't fit. Interoperability. Yeah, there you go. You hear people say it and it just rolls right off their tongue. Let's say the average investor, the just average person in the space, the retail investor. Now, if they were in the space and let's say they weren't going to go through a traditional Bitcoin IRA, what would be some just tips that you would have for the average person? Education's first. One of the big things we see is that a lot of buyers that are pragmatic and and take their time and take the emotion out, they're buying at times like this because they've done their homework and they've been doing, they've been watching the charts and finding their entry points. There are others that will just chase the run, right? And and we've seen that we've been around for the run in 17 and then 2021. They'll just throw money at it. It's one of those. I think there's a meme from uh, Futurama that's like, just give, take my money, right? That's the essence. Definitely educate yourself. Uh, t- try to take the emotion out of it and get yourself up to speed on what is it you're investing. That, and it's helpful too because you're going to have folks, you almost somewhat become a beacon of the industry or the community once you start investing because we all go down a rabbit hole. Some go really far, some go just a little bit and we get excited. And so make sure that you get yourself educated and excited. That's a first. The second we just hit on is security. And that's beyond just what wallet you're doing. It's also yourself. If you're not using YubiKeys or 2FA or any of those types of things, I've been using uh, YubiKey for about since seven. I think so about five, six years now. It's that last line of defense You, if any of your devices get compromised. And that's you. Plus, you got to think about the business risk. What we saw happen with Celsius, Voyager, etc. was a big wake up call for the centralized finance. It's great to go earn yield, but make sure that you're reading the terms and conditions of the setup. Make sure that you understand what they're doing with your assets to generate that yield. These are all better questions folks are going to ask. Banks, when they first started doing basically lending, had a wild west as well. It was back in the 70s. They kind of just did whatever they wanted as long as they kept certain camels reserved. So a certain amount of cash had to be here, etc. Lenders. Lending's not going anywhere. Yield isn't going anywhere. That's really the maturation of the product. It's able to earn yield. As Warren Buffett says, that's an important aspect. This is a big piece that will come, but it's all about understanding who you're doing business with. I never stay on exchange if you don't have to, personally, unless you're day trading. These are little things that can help you out. That's my good tips. Yeah, that's fantastic. We've talked about investing on this podcast back, I believe it was episode 22. Taking the emotions out is some of the best advice you can give a retail investor, a a hobbyist investor, because, you know, the average person trades on emotions. I've been repeating that since the beginning of this podcast. And I love the fact that you just said it there as well. And I'm going to have to repeat it to myself every day, right? We, I mean, even us veterans, we have to remind ourselves, uh, no, this is, this is the fundamentals haven't changed. You still have assets that are being created via politicians and it benefits them, right? The more money they put in. In essence, it's an election year, right? So they're going to do what they can to keep gas prices down, money in the pocket of the voter because the voter votes with their pocket often. It's been proven throughout the years. If they feel better off, the guy in charge gets to stay. If they don't feel better off, 
the guy in, in, in charge has a, a pretty uphill battle to get himself reelected. So those are things that happen in fiat money. And it happens here and it happens in the US. It happens in the European Central Bank. It's everywhere. And Bitcoin actually punishes us for creating more of it. We have halvening. We lose half the reward. We have all these things that are in direct contrast, but we're in a transition period. I hear a lot of folks that are saying, well, if Bitcoin's an inflation hedger, well, if gold is an inflation hedge, it would have gone from 1950 to 1640 this year. This is a different time. Things are trying to shape out of what we're going to look like for the next 10, 15 years as an economy. And crypto is right in the center of it. It wasn't part of the conversation five years ago or spawned itself in the last crisis, right? And now it's right here. It's resilient. It's relevant. It's going to be a part of the conversation. I often say that it's going to be a lot like what internet and communications, how they were impacted email and, uh, and what it did to the post office. These things just kind of embedded ourselves in the daily fabric of our lives. We're going to wake up and slowly realize, wow, my life hopefully has gotten better. My privacy online is stronger. I have much more efficient ways and businesses have efficient ways of doing things. Maybe even someday we'll vote with the blockchain. That would be crazy, but it could happen. And I think you'd see uh, these case studies. One of the things I really loved last summer and I still love today is what El Salvador is doing. Because if this really was a failed element, then it'd be a failed state at this point. If, if crypto was completely dead, they'd be gone. They would have to be lying up to the World Bank IMF apologizing and asking for handouts. That's not happening. In fact, it's the countries that are still trying to stay on the dollar standard that are suffering and they found their ecosystem that's working for them. They had the lowest GDP, second lowest GDP in the world. They had, uh, I think 70% of their population was underbanked or not banked at all. This is indigenous peoples living off the grid or just they don't have much of an infrastructure. And I think you're going to look forward five, 10 years from now and El Salvador and its capital are going to be part of a metropolis of Central America that we haven't seen before. Because when you have that that stability, you attract finance and you attract investment. And that's where we're headed. I get pretty jacked up about crypto. I'm sure your listeners do. If we're on NFT and chill, this is our game. Absolutely. And I, I'm so glad you mentioned the indigenous peoples and the underbanked. We talked about that in episode 17, NFTs for freedom. I get really jacked up because decentralized finance, we're trying to give the power and also the ownership to the people away from the small group of people that are trying to control the masses. Florida is a really cool case study. I got to meet Governor DeSantis uh, here in Los Angeles on an event last year. But then you also have your mayor uh, of Miami. And these guys are on, I think, opposite ends of the spectrum politically, but they both are seeing crypto as a viability for their local economy and for their state and, and their city and their municipalities. And you're seeing that elsewhere, too. I love Loomis and what she's fighting for in Wyoming. Here in California, actually Newsom surprised me and he, he vetoed a bill about crypto regulation. You're going to see there are leaders that are really adopting this. There are also leaders that are really fighting it. Here in, in Sherman Oaks, we've had a congressman that a few years ago called us a bunch of kids in our pajamas in our mom's basement. Uh, and we were creating like 150 jobs in his district. But, you know, I guess uh, there, there will always be uh, those folks that see this differently. It is a generational shift, but it's not a clean line. It's not like my dad and my grandparents hate this and mine, myself and my kids love it. It's blended. There are believers and non-believers on both sides. And I don't think we really have a choice about believing it anymore. It's here. It's embedding itself. Uh, you said it best. I think it's a case study for that human empowerment. Let's give it back to the people. Let's see what we can do with these assets and tools. Absolutely. Wyoming is actually one of the most interesting states in terms of cryptocurrency and DeFi. I was speaking at a, the Global NFT Summit in London, and there was an entire 45-minute panel from one guy from Wyoming who came all the way to London 
to talk about the exciting things that are happening with cryptocurrency in Wyoming. You know, I actually, I, I thought I was in like the Twilight Zone here in the United States. Nobody talks about it. Yeah. But then we had this one guy in London in front of an entire conference talking about it for 45 minutes. But they are doing some really groundbreaking stuff. with Yeah, with the lending. banking setups yep, and yep. lending. It's a, it's a little powerhouse of folks that have thought outside the box with crypto. Very friendly regulatory environment. Nevada is the same way. And Nevada doesn't really want to wait. So they're looking at stable coins and different issuances that can make that run smoothly for themselves. You see it happening with Miami coin. It really hasn't taken off yet. And I think Austin is going to drive Texas because Texans are generally like, just give me my guns and my freedom. And if, if they, once they understand how crypto works, they, it fits within their uh, methodology and their, and their mindset. So Austin might drive some really great stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I was actually in Austin. Coin Census Week was in yep. Austin as well as DecentralCon. So it's definitely becoming a DeFi little hotbed. Last question here, and it kind of speaks to, you know, the market as it is right now. I guess you could call it down. Some people call it a builder's market. Some people say it's the perfect time to invest. When do you see the market, I guess, turning around? And a word that I hear constantly is quantitative tightening and quantitative easing. Can you clarify what that is and how it's affecting the market? Yeah, so QE is what we were talking about earlier, basically the injection of capital via mortgage swaps or whatever they may be mechanism they're using. They're putting more money into the economy and loosening the policies around it, loosening rates around it, what the cost of capital is. Tightening is where we get a little, we're like, hey, let's stop making all this stuff. And in fact, at the same time, let's tighten, let's increase rates so that capital is more expensive so we can slow down growth because there's growth of an economy and then there's artificial growth. And when one gets out of balance, that's where you see inflation and the things we see. Problem here is the Fed has boxed itself and not just the Federal Reserve of the US, but all Federal Reserves and all central banks kind of box themselves into one thing they can do to fix the problem they created, which is raise rates. And as they do that, they risk hurting the economy. And if they hurt it too much, they can drive us into a recession is a lot of the buzzword right now. But if they don't do anything, then inflation gets... So they're stuck between this rock and a hard place. And when you have this mechanism that is self-made and self-inflicted, that comes around times of election cycles, it changes the game entirely. And then we also have a healthy jobs market, which most Americans say that's great. But truthfully, there's two problems with it. One, the the, the seasonality of it. Uh, there's We're in a seasonality right now with Q4. People are hiring for holidays and things like that. And the quality of the job that people want. Wages are not necessarily keeping up with costs, right? Things are getting more expensive. People aren't making more money. Tie that all together with the concept of taxes. Because as an employer, I have about 100 employees. There's a cost all the way up and down the chain. That And there's payroll taxes. Your employee pays taxes. Your company pays taxes. All these layers. And if they start having to put those up, to pay for some of these debts that we've created for ourselves. You're just squeezing the middle class. And in a healthy economy, historically, has a healthy middle class. If the middle part, the middle chunk of the world of that, of that economy feels comfortable, can afford the basic things that they need without struggling and also enjoy themselves, there's a quality of life setting to the middle class. If that's healthy, everything's fine. The minute we start having where wages aren't keeping up, uh, prices are going up, it's more expensive to get houses and all the financing you need because rates are going up, middle class is going to get really squeezed. And that's what can drive us into tough places as an economy. So this is all balancing act. Uh, something we don't really have to worry about so much in Web3 is why we love it is that there's no higher power deciding the merge that took place is a great example. Of, I said this several times on mainstream media. This is an example of what Web3 is all about, is that we found there's an infirmity. We've designed the fix. We agreed to how we're going to place that fix in. 
And there wasn't some central authority that had to make it work. It was the community at large and how we how these things are run with democratization. So interesting time to be alive. At the end of the day, this is all happening within real time for us. It's not something we're reading in history books. Very well put. Chris, I want to thank you so much for coming on NFT and Chill. This has been incredibly insightful. I'm really happy we got to do a DeFi episode, especially in this climate. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to share these crazy things going on in my head. So where can people find you and Bitcoin IRA? Go to your phone if you got it on you. Go to the App Store, type Bitcoin IRA. Uh, you'll find it right there in either Apple or Android. Um, or if you're old school and you want to try go desktop level, you can just go to BitcoinIRA.com. Very cool. Thank you so much. As you know, NFT and Chill is an official media partner for DecentralCon. And I am also a guest speaker at DecentralCon Miami. We're going to be giving away tickets to DecentralCon Miami during Art Basel, November 28th and 29th to the listeners of NFT and Chill. These tickets are valued at five and $600. So make sure you watch out for how to enter and how you can win. I'll be posting about it on our Twitter and social media accounts sometime this week. That's it for this week's show. I want to thank my guest Chris Klein from Bitcoin IRA for coming on and giving us incredible information on crypto investing. I also want to thank our sponsor Zengo for making all of this possible for us to keep bringing quality content and episodes each and every week. And I want to thank every single listener from all around the world in the Bahamas, Bolivia, Latvia, Pakistan, Nigeria, Sylvania, the United Arab Emirates, Taiwan, Ukraine, Israel, Portugal, Poland, Turkey, Switzerland, Italy, New Zealand, Norway, Sweden, Germany, and of course the United States. All of those countries, NFT and Chill is in the top 10 or top 50 in our podcast category, and we literally can't do it without the support from all the listeners out there. So if you want to continue to support the show, you can do so by listening, telling your friends and family about the show, engaging with our social posts, writing reviews on your favorite podcast platform. And with that, make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss another incredible episode that we have next week. Also on the lookout for the DecentralCon giveaway. I'm the mayor, and you've been listening to the NFT and Chill podcast. <laughs>